So the first, uh, the first sermon I ever gave was in a preaching class when I was in divinity school. And um, my professor really, really wanted to, uh, to challenge me. I mean, at that time, I was sort of, you know, just a couple years out of my Jewish origins and was finding my way into Unitarian Universalism. She said, well, you know, I've heard you talk about it before, so why don't you preach on Jesus' last dying words on the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And she thought I did a pretty good job with it. I got an A grade on it, an honors grade, as they called it back in seminary. And the professor was a very rigorous biblical scholar. A very, very rigorous biblical scholar with very exacting standards. And she taught me so much about what goes into a good message, what goes into a good sermon. I think today she'd be a little disappointed that I'm preaching on Kung Fu Panda. (laughs) From my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me to Kung Fu Panda? But I have to tell you, the distance is not that great. This is a very, very good movie. It is far better than the Indiana Jones movie. I preached on it a couple weeks ago. And far, far better by a degree so big as to almost be considered infinite than Sex and the City. So not just was I able to dig out the sort of spiritual message in this movie this morning, I enjoyed it a lot more than those other two. The title says it all. It's about a panda named Poe who is a kung fu master. Or rather, he yearns to be a kung fu master. When we first meet Poe, he is daydreaming. He is daydreaming about the exploits of himself as a this great karate kung fu master. His reality is far, far less intriguing. He is the assistant in his father's noodle shop. His reality is not terribly romantic at all. It is quite mundane. And interestingly enough, I'm going to get back to the meaning of this because it is a very specific meaning. The meaning of this later on, that his father is a goose while Poe is a panda. His father is a goose while Poe is a panda. We'll get back to that. And his father's highest aspiration, his father's highest, single highest aspiration for his son is that he will learn the trade. He will learn the trade of what it is to own and operate a noodle shop. And someday, someday if he deems himself worthy, if he deems his son worthy enough, he will teach him the secret, the secret of the secret noodle soup. But Poe yearns, Poe yearns for a life beyond the noodle shop. More on that secret noodle soup in a couple minutes too. So this being an animated cartoon comedy after some madcap, almost miraculous adventures I'm not going to get into. Poe wins a competition. He wins the competition for who will be the next Kung Fu master taught by the aged master himself, Shifu. Now, Shifu, voiced by Dustin Hoffman, he's a somewhat anxious, cranky, not kind of real sort of spiritually happy, fulfilled kind of guy. He, in times of stress, he will say to himself, inner peace, inner peace, inner peace. (laughs) Kind of like, if you remember the Seinfeld, George Costanza's father, serenity now, serenity now. It doesn't work. Words aren't magic. Intentions can be magical. Words are not magic themselves. Now, there's good reason Shifu does to be anxious. He is anxious because he is wondering who will be his next student, who will be worthy of his own master's teachings that he is handing on, and who will be able to understand the sacred and mysterious secret scroll. Their motivation is even deeper than that. For the one who understands the secret scroll will keep safe the valley of peace that lies below the temple up on the great steps, the great hill. They're trying to keep it safe from Tai Lung, a marauding snow leopard who was a former student of Shifu. 
this marauding snow leopard, turned on his master when it was determined that he was not mature enough yet to behold and understand the secret scroll. Now, this movie is a joy because it really is an animated version of so many other different kinds of movies. It is part Karate Kid. It is part Kill Bill. It is part Star Wars. And really, at its heart, it is every underdog movie that has ever been made about the clumsy kid with the heart of gold and the hidden gifts who ends up saving everyone. That's what the movie is really about. The movie both extols fortune cookie wisdom and at the same time mocks it. You have one character, an aged, wise, almost Yoda-like figure who says things like, the past is history and the future is a mystery, but now is a gift. And that is why we call it a present. Now, I have to agree with the basic wisdom of this, but I got to be honest with you. This is the kind of thing you read on that little strip of paper after you're done with your Kung Pao shrimp. It makes fun of these sort of wisdom pretensions as well, too. When Po and Shifu, when they are going throughout the countryside one day, come upon a beautiful lake and Po starts to wash himself, bathe himself, Po says, or Shifu says, we do not wash our pits in the pool of sacred tears. <laughs> it's a fun movie. And I got to tell you, the voice of Po is Jack Black. He is absolutely perfect. Because if you've ever seen like High Fidelity, his role, Jack Black's role in High Fidelity is about the best Jack Black performance I've seen until now. His voice zigs and zags and he goes down and he goes up and his body can't creep up with it. Well, in the gravity-free world of computer animation, there is and there are no boundaries. And so his voice, the actor's voice, and his body are able to be liberated to do whatever they want to. And I have to tell you, this alternative universe of this film is absolutely gorgeous. How many of you have seen it? All right. It is beautiful. There's this one scene particularly that left me with my mouth open, just agape. There's Shifu's master himself, a wise old turtle, like this Yoda-like figure, who's preparing for the end of his life with absolute peace, with absolute equanimity, with no fear whatsoever. And when he is ready to go, he goes and stands on a cliff, on a bluff, and circling out of the universe come these lotus petals, and he just is absorbed, his essence absorbed into the larger essence of these lotus petals, and he floats away. See the movie just for that scene. It's gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. I was just, it was breathtaking. But besides being nice to laugh at and laugh with and nice to look at, this comedy also really reminds us of one of the central, one of the central religious truths of all of our lives. It reminds us that there is a reason that the word humility and the word humor share exactly the same Latin root. Humor and humility share exactly the same Latin root word. Because that's what the movie is about. The movie is all about the central virtue of humility. It is about humility in the exercise of power. It is about humility regarding what we can know and what we cannot know about why things happen to us. It is about humility about what we can control. And finally, the good news, the good news, because some of that other stuff can be frustrating. The good news is that how humility opens us up to live lives of meaning and depth and service and joy. There's a quote, and I could not locate it on the internet, but I'm sure I heard it. I don't think I made it up myself. It sounds too wise to come out of me. That it's rare to find a person who has what it takes both to attain great power, 
because of the often dubious ethical costs that come with attaining great power, rare to find that same person also able to exercise that power once they have it with justice and fairness. It is rare to find those two qualities in the same person. But Poe is this rare person, or rather, panda. Poe is this rare panda. Poe is ideal to be taught the ways of Kung Fu because he is naturally without any desire for power for its own sake. His dreams of glory, as he has in the beginning of the movie, they're not really dreams of self-glory. They're daydreams, a little bit immature perhaps, but he is essentially good, essentially without selfishness in his heart. And that is why he is ready to be taught. Now, this makes him the object of some jealousy. Those who think they are further in line for being the truly chosen one. There are what they call the Furious Five. Now, they're not really angry. They're just very, very dedicated in their craft. And they end up being Poe's allies, ultimately, later on in the movie. But when he first enters the temple, this monastery where they're being taught, the five do not accept him. They say, you don't belong here. You are not ready. They treat it as an accident. And this gets to one of the hearts of the movie. Is it an accident? And you can answer this for yourself if you've seen it. Is it really an accident that Poe is selected to be trained? Or is it preordained? The movie says, like so many, so many self-help books, there are no accidents. There are no accidents. And when this was voiced in the movie, I'm thinking, ugh, another Another movie that supplies some sort of ludicrous deus ex machina where we find out at the end that secretly Poe was descended from generation upon generation upon generation of kung fu master pandas. And we will find out that somehow he is just exiled for numbers of years because of a magic spell in the land of the secret noodle shop. (laughs) But I got to tell you, this movie doesn't have some mysterious backstory. It may assert that there are no accidents, But it doesn't at the same time say that there are not no accidents as well. The movie is satisfied in its humility of leaving some questions unanswered. In the end, it seems to say to us, there just is. There just is. Is. There just is. And then the question becomes the most important one. It is our ability to turn our opportunities in life into the vehicle for our meaning, for our purpose, for our joy, for our becoming a fully developed self or panda that matters the most. Now, this question of accidents has actually been fairly close to my heart in this last month. In the last month, we've gotten our car totaled because we were in a car accident. Not our fault, not our fault, by the way. It's absolutely true. I'll let you see the the, uh, insurance adjuster's report. And stumbling back from the bathroom to bed at 4 o'clock in the morning, a week and a half ago, I broke my toe on the metal door frame. So I've had a few accidents recently. And I think it's natural to ask, you know, why'd this happen? And frankly, these are minor, minor things in terms of what many other people are dealing with. Inconveniences, at the least. Inconveniences, barely. But, you know, sometimes we want to ask, why'd this happen? Was this supposed to happen? And I think even if I could answer in any way yes... I'm not sure what good it would do. I'm not sure what good it would do at all. Sometimes this temptation is just silly. I mean, think about it. Did the universe's department of broken toes say, it's your time. God needs your little piggy. I don't think God is that kind of micromanager. 
And sometimes it's beyond just silliness. Sometimes it is downright abhorrent. Abhorrent, and I mean that in the strongest possible way. Abhorrent to say there are no accidents. I'm going to give you a test case. The four Boy Scouts, age 13 and 14, who died in Iowa this past week when a tornado hit their encampment. This is the test case. Imagine you, yourself, with those parents. Red-eyed, missing their beloved child. Sitting in that sacred and so sad place of being in a house of mourning. And they're looking for you, to you, for anything. For kindness, for love. And you look into their eyes, into those red-rimmed, tear-soaked eyes, and you say, well... There are no accidents. If I'm the clergy in that household, get out. (laughs) You do not have what they need. There are no accidents. Sometimes it is just a way of saying, I want to guarantee that from my own ego-based perspective, I want to keep myself safe. Because if there aren't accidents and I'm doing all the right things, then I will not suffer. If there are no accidents, then I can assure my own safety. And I have to tell you, too often spirituality and religion devolves into this, but it keeps us away from what all true spirituality ultimately points to, which is the transcending of our own ego and need for safety. This kind of ego-driven religion wants to have our safety guaranteed and it divides us from our fellow people rather than leading us towards each other. Got a great example of this a number of years ago when I was out to dinner with someone who I know pretty well. And in a few few years before, they had lost someone, someone very, very dear to them, in a very difficult way. I don't want to downplay that. And we were sitting with a few other people. Actually, it was after a ball, uh, excuse me, a ball game we'd all attended. And some of the rest of them, well, they'd had a little too much to, you know, drink. And... At one point, one of the people we were with, who we didn't know very well, talked about a story about his former business partner. And one of us asked, well, why is he former? He said, well, he was 42 years old and he got a diagnosis that he had multiple brain tumors, multiple cancerous brain tumors in his, in his head. And he was dead six months after the diagnosis. Shocking kind of stuff. And then my companion, the person I was with, said, did they use cell phones a lot? I mean, maybe you've read the information back and forth. Some people say, yes, it is correlated with increases, and some people say it isn't. And actually, the most recent thing I read said there could be an increased likelihood, an increased likelihood, perhaps, of not cancerous but benign brain tumors with a lot of cell phone usage. But you should have felt the energy. (laughs) Leave that table right there. Leave that table right there because what my companion was telling them is that there are no accidents. I can start to feel safe if I believe he was doing something wrong or something that brought this upon himself instead of just, hey, sometimes there just is. There just is. And humility, especially in the way the movie leaves some of its biggest questions unanswered in Kung Fu Panda, bids us to be at peace and at ease with what we cannot know. And this is also one of the most sly parts of the movie. It's also a great lesson for Father's Day. The goose dad and the panda son, we never get an answer as to how that household formed. (laughs) 
It's just a goose dad and a panda son. Because you know what? Sometimes geese have panda kids. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Sometimes Republican dads have liberal children. Sometimes the jock dad has the poet's son. Sometimes that is just the way it goes. And the most important thing, as we learn from the goose dad, the most important thing is to understand. Understand the measure of devotion. Understand how devoted this child is, this father is to this child. He just loves him and he believes in him and that is enough. And when he's ready to leave the noodle shop, it's okay because he's found his calling. Jesus said that the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike and I am inclined to believe him. Sometimes it just rains. And sort of like the scouts, at that point what matters most is that we should be prepared prepared for when rain does come into our life so that we are ready to respond and ready to serve. Because when we serve with this spirit of humility, we remain teachable and we are also able to be the best teachers in life. I want you to think right now, just for a second, of the best teacher or the best teachers that you ever had. Chances are, chances are quite great that in fact it was their humility not their teaching by rote, not their sense of their mastery of the subject, although that was probably important, but in fact, they took the opportunities that you gave them so that they could teach you the best that they knew how. This is what Master Shifu learns in the movie and how he transcends his own anxiety. I want to show you this clip right now. What happens in it is he finds the correct motivation for Poe to learn the ways of Kung Fu. Up until that scene, Shifu is absolutely almost despondent over the fact that Poe will not get it. But he realizes that he has to work with what Poe knows. Poe knows dumplings, Poe knows noodles. The teacher finds the student's sweet spot and then is equipped to teach. And the student is equipped to learn. The best teachers always find the right motivation of their students and work with the raw materials that are already there rather than trying to enforce their own view. Until that point, Shifu will never get that inner peace, inner peace, inner peace. He has to recognize that when he works with what is there, then the true learning, then the true learning can start. This is the power of an attentive, attentive perception and the humble presence that is at the heart of the movie. Now, the movie is awash in many ways because it is a kung fu movie, and if you've ever seen them like I did growing up on Saturday afternoons with the really, really bad overdubs and the bad translation, there's always some sort of mystery. There's always some sort of secret that lies at the heart. And this returns us to the secret noodle soup and the secret scroll, the two biggest unknowns throughout the entire movie. This is the secret. There is no secret to the secret noodle soup. It is just really, really good soup made with care and attention and devotion. I thought this was the most wise part of the movie. 
Because i got to tell you, in our age, and especially amongst religious progressives, because I think sometimes we feel almost cheated by the fact that we don't have a doctrine, we don't have a dogma, like maybe some of the grass is greener kind of looking at the people out there, that we don't want their exact kind of religion, but maybe we might want a little bit more certainty. And so we go looking in the places like The Secret, and we go looking at things like The Da Vinci Code, and we maybe attempt to sneak in some dogma through the back pages of history into our own progressive traditions. This is the allure of the esoteric, and it's reasonable because the esoteric points to all kinds of altered states of mind and of being. One of my favorite spiritual teachers in her book, The Places That Scare You, Pema Chodron, talks about this kind of altered consciousness and its allure and the fact that fundamentally, finally, ain't that big a deal. She says, sometimes out of the blue, people have amazing experiences. Recently, a lawyer told me that while standing on a street corner waiting for a light to change, an extraordinary thing occurred. Suddenly, her body expanded until it felt as big as the entire universe. She felt instinctively to the very core of her being that she and the universe were one. She had no doubt that this was actually true. She knew that she was not, as she had previously assumed, separate from everything else. She was one with everything. But the problem arose when she started to hang on to her experience. She wanted it back. She wanted to keep it. Ordinary perception was no longer satisfying enough. It left her feeling troubled and out of sync, out of touch. Even though peak experiences might show us the truth and inform us about why we meditate, why we practice, they are essentially no big deal. If we can integrate these experiences into the ups and downs of our own lives, day to day, moment to moment, if we cling to them, they will hinder us. We can trust our experiences as valid, but then we have to learn to move on and just simply to get along with our neighbors. This is what the secret scroll is all about. And this is why that sort of malevolent snow leopard, Tai Long, wasn't ready for it. The secret scroll doesn't hold the secret either. You know what it is? It's a mirror. It is a mirror reflecting back to you yourself. And reflecting back whatever it captures in and of itself. It is essentially empty. And it is full. It is empty and it is full at the same time with the image that always changes. This is why the snow leopard is irate at the end of the movie when finally in the penultimate climactic battle and he thinks he has vanquished the Furious Five and Poe, he has the secret scroll, he has what he has wanted for decades and he looks at it and he is absolutely enraged because he wants the answer of all answers. He wants the answer that's going to remove all uncertainty and give him all power and give him all knowledge that will make him the master over all. But he doesn't get what he wants. He doesn't have humility. He doesn't see what he wants to see, which is just, and at the same time also beautifully, his own life. At the same time, when Poe, at the very end of the movie, sees what is in the sacred skull, He is absolutely overcome with joy. He sees his own life. And he sees the lives of all those around him. That is the secret. Which in some ways is no secret at all. 
It reminds me of one of my favorite Walt Whitman quotes that I think he, Poe, really understands. We do not say that scripture and Bibles are not divine. We say they are, but they have come from you and they will come from you still. Poe was willing to receive, ultimately. That is what makes him a master. He knows that whatever life is, whatever life's vast mysteries, whatever life's vast meanings, they are either right here with us right now or they're no place. Then our response is to wake up. Our response is to be able to recognize that what is inside of us is also inside of everyone else. And then we answer the call. What Poe knows ultimately is that because he is humble, he can be happy. Because Poe knows that because he has been the least, he also can be the most exalted. Because Poe knows that he is able to receive blessing and remains open and remains teachable, he is also able to bless. Ultimately, the secret is this. Poe knows a hell of a lot more than noodles. Poe knows what the good life is. Amen. May you live in blessing. Let's pray together. God of our heart's deepest yearning, may we be open to the ways the ways of the many masters. Those that teach us that it is here and now that we can learn. Here and now that we are invited to grow. Here and now that we are able to begin opening our lives. As bud becomes blossom, may we find here in this very place In this very life, whatever else may come, whatever else may happen, accident or not, preordained or not, may we know that our capacity for joy and beauty and grace is in the ability to respond, our responsibility. May we here recognize each other as our kindred and as our companion in this great journey of awakening. May it be so, and amen.